Hello and welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers, podcast number 74. A big welcome back to anybody who's returning and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. Well, this week's podcast guest is very close to home. I get a chance to talk to and share thoughts and music with my husband, Rob, who is a huge music fanatic. And I mean, man, we cover so many musicians and just so much musical ground in our conversation. And he is a ride or die Beatle fan, but is not a deadhead. So much fun to be able to talk about, you know, what it's like to be so into music. Uh, we talk about his respect for the Grateful Dead as musicians and, you know, really all the different incarnations and iterations of the band. You know, it sounds a little to me like love for Jerry Garcia. I'm a big fan over there and get to play some amazing music. And then lastly, of course, what it's like to be married to a hardcore deadhead who, you know, has been making a podcast and chases live music as much as possible. You know, he has been offering to be a guest for you know, really a couple of years now. And I always thought it was maybe, you know, a favor if there was a gap between episodes, guests, or, or even just a joke. But after having this hiatus for a few months where I've been, you know, a little lost and lacking in some direction, Sometimes it turns out that once in a while you can show them the light and the strangest of places if you look at it right. So much fun. Really enjoyed getting a chance to have this conversation and the opportunity to share it. And I hope everybody enjoys listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. Thank you to everybody for tuning in and I hope you enjoy. Bye. All right, this is it. We're in our spot. <laughs> no, Are we live? Well, unless I edit this. So this is the return of Stranger Stopping Strangers podcast, episode number 74. And I have the most special guest I have ever had on this podcast from the 21st century deadheads, which I love hearing their stories, to family members like Gerilyn. I have my... Favorite person in this world with me as my guest, non-deadhead but music lover, my husband Robert Smith. Welcome. Oh, I'm glad to finally be here, but uh, you haven't had Bob on yet, so your favorite person. We're not my favorite. It's musician. arguable, but we haven't had Bob yet. But thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I've been telling you, and you told me that you're full of shit. And I said, no, no, I really want to do it. I want to give this perspective of um, a deadhead spouse. In fact, I was thinking of making um, another family uh, similar to the deadhead family. It's going to be the family of deadhead spouse. Yeah. And we can talk about all of the things that we love and some of the things that we don't love about the deadhead family, the dead family. Whatever yeah. you guys call it. I think it would be a Facebook page with a lot of traffic, a lot of <laughs> content, a few trolls, and, uh, yeah, I bet it would be a, it'd be a welcome, welcome, uh, addition to, uh, the, uh, social media world of, uh, of the Deadheads. For well, sure. I've already talked to a few of these people, so it could be in the, in the works, but, uh, we can talk about that later. We can talk offline about that. Well, and I, I have talked about you, you know, on this podcast more times than not, because I always feel the need to say my husband's not a deadhead, but he loves really good music. And and furthermore, you could have been a bigger fan of The Grateful Dead had I not 
burns you out on it. So fucking crazy. What makes you think I'm burnt out? <laughs> well, I want to start with a cute story though about when the bloom was on the rose. So this is, this is mine. And then I want to hear a bunch of your stories because you know, the podcast is more about the guest and I can talk a dog off a meat wagon. But so me being a deadhead and you not being a deadhead was actually a really cool part of our wedding. And it was your brother's toast as part of the wedding when he said that he knew that you had found the one when you added a dead playlist <laughs> to your playlist because you had never had the Grateful Dead on any of your music playlists. And that when it popped up on your playlist, it was part of his toast that you had, he had really realized you had found the one. And, uh, that, I don't know. That I was forgot that. about that. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. Part of the toast that, uh, you must really love this girl <laughs> because all of a sudden the Grateful Dead started po- popping up. And then that was probably the peak of your deadheadness. Well, that's an interesting story. Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go as far as to say, well, I'm not a deadhead, but, you know, it was, um, I don't know, kind of, no, strong words is probably the, the, the wrong thing to say, but there were a lot of dead songs, and there are a lot of dead songs that I, that I really like, you know, like you said, being a lover of music, I was really fortunate growing up, my parents, Born in 1945, and they had me when they were 21, my dad, and 22. So, you know, do the math, the era they grew up in, and the kind of music they listened to. And they were legitimate hippies, especially my mom, you know, with all the garb, you know, all the concerts. They saw Jim Morrison and the Doors, of course, the the Stones back in the early 70s. So I was really fortunate that I was exposed to some great music growing up, uh, vinyl which is a which is a whole another story that, that we've been talking about. Everything from Harry Nielsen to the Supremes to Big Brother and the Holding Company to you know James Taylor. I was exposed to a lot of great stuff. And um one of the things uh that I noticed when I was growing up was uh there was this always this album in the collection and it had a skeleton on it. And, you know, I started getting into heavy metal as well. Early Black Sabbath, 1968, Ozzy Osbourne, Tony Iommi. And I saw this album, and I was thinking to myself, man, these guys must be really heavy. Look at this album. It's got a skeleton on the front, and, uh, you know, it's got that doomsday look of heavy metal. So I put it on, and... um of course, Truckin' was on there, Casey Jones was on there. I knew those songs, but I was thinking, well, maybe these guys go heavy, too. So I skipped over a few songs like we could on vinyl back in the day, and I put on this uh song, and, and it was Rosemary, the song. And I was like, who the fuck are these guys? And... um that was your biggest, that was your, your intro into <laughs> they're fucking pranksters. That's what they are. They're fucking pranksters. I fucking love that that album had Rosemary on it. Cause later on when we started talking about music and what are popular dead songs and what aren't, you know, as we kind of started getting deeper into, you know, the catalog and I'm listening to music and, and you brought up Rosemary and I never realized it was on that album. And, um, I mean, you, you were like, how the fuck do you know Rosemary? This crazy <laughs> obscure song. Like, how is that in your like, you know, familiar top 10 list? I've given it a lot of thought after that. And I mean, I really think it is just like the classic prankster. We have like two minutes to fill this in and fuck you record companies. We're just going to throw this in as a best of. And 
I don't know. It's always fucking cracked me up. So I think in uh, in the spirit of that for this podcast, we, we've decided to have Rosemary be the first song that we're going to play. Many of you hardcore album listening, you know, deadheads will know this song. People who started with with the skeletons from the closet <laughs> will know this song. And any of you who do not know skeletons of the closet or live for live music will probably have never fucking heard Rosemary. So it'll be a, a little intro to one of the best ofs. Blast from the past. A blast from the past, from the early days. In the college days. Let's, uh, let's go into it. And this is probably the first and last time you will ever hear Rosemary on the podcast as a song choice, but it fits in. So let's hear that. And then we have so many more stories and we'll be back. Listening to Rosemary, and you know, I'm going to set the scene too, because this is, uh, the podcast has been on hiatus, really was waiting for just like a comfortable, you know, warm environment, and so we are sitting here in on the workbench in the basement in our home, waiting for the dogs to bark, bong in front of us, though not partaking of it at this moment, and uh, yeah, just uh, cozy in our little Cozy in our little basement. Down Where all here. the sins go on. Where all the sins go on. I'd say of the entire house, this is probably where we log in the most amount of time. I'll have to take Music, a picture of it. The bong. Yeah, this is it. The door that can be locked from the kids. It's yeah. the only. <laughs> the safe that everything goes in. <laughs> so, listeners, you are you are in our nook, our nook, which is a really yeah. dirty. You wouldn't want to see a picture. of You this wouldn't place. want to see a picture of it. You can just imagine what a uh, unfinished portion of a basement workbench, which has become the no, most. There's, beloved there's place. a furnace, two oil tanks. Yeah. 
you know, just, and a bunch of exercise equipment that doesn't get used. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's definitely the best room of the house. I like when we have people come over and Julie brings them down here and says, and this is where mommy locks the door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to get back on your Grateful Dead journey, um, which again we have lots to talk about, but one of the biggest you know things about Deadheads again is live music versus studio albums and. Yeah, I, I see the benefits of both, but uh share a little bit about what your thoughts are. Well, it was it was interesting. I started listening to some of the live music and I was like, God damn, this is a long fucking song. What the hell are these guys doing in the middle of this song? I'm not gonna listen to this. I'm fast forwarding this thing. I'm just gonna move the needle here and get to the end of the song. Then you made a really good point, just in the last couple of days, it might even been yesterday, when you said, uh, you know, I don't really like jam songs either, unless I know the song. And I said, uh, that makes sense, because I have, actually, I realized, a jam band that makes a lot of great music that I love, and um, it's the Allman Brothers. And we just listened to the song, One Way Out. Which, by the way, I think uh, would have been a great cover song for the dead to do. We'll have to look and see if they did it. Yeah. Probably yeah. at some point. Yeah. And um, so we just listened to it. And there's a, not a Grateful Dead type jam, but maybe close. And uh, long jam with uh, Dickie Betts and Dwayne uh, playing jamming away. And then it really struck home where I said, now I understand what she's talking about. I was digging the whole jam all the way through. And, uh, you know, from a, a Grateful Dead, Deadhead perspective, now I get it. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's one of the issues that I've had with, like, fish. You know, like, fish is one of those things that so many, if you love the dead, you're going to love fish. And, you know, and finally went to my first fish show over the summer with Joe. If you're listening, Joe Rivera. My gay boyfriend who introduced me to fish and, um, I loved the energy and the people, but I couldn't get into extended jams that I'm not familiar with. So I think it, I don't know. I think it totally makes sense because especially if you listen to the same recording over and over, you just become familiar with the jam. So it's all about knowing what's coming next and the familiarity of yeah, it. Yeah. It's like uh, when I hear songs, if I listen to a Beatles album, I know the next song before it comes on unless you put the Abbey Road medley on shuffle, which fucks up the whole thing. Yeah, can't do it. Can't do it. No, absolutely. Yeah, no, again, I'm, I'm, I am down. I am one of those deadheads that is kind of totally down for studio albums as well. I've been listening to actually a lot of studio albums lately. I mean, to listen to Wake of the Flood and I mean, so many people will say American Beauty changed their lives. I mean, there's definitely some albums that I, I really dig the studio versions, you know, just the, the aspect of, what to expect, and it's just, you know, the, the meat and potatoes of the song, so it's not an mm. argument. You, you speak of changing your life and uh, how music and how it's affected me, you, us, and um, now I can, I can appreciate what Deadheads, how they get into it and dig the music and how much it means to them, because really the only band that's done that to me are the Beatles, and as much as you hear the Beatles, and as commercialized as some of their music is, has become, always was, I can still listen to that music like we did last night and find different things, different sounds, different lyrics. I can listen to that stuff every day, 
all day from I want to hold your hand to Octopus's Garden to, um, you know, the entire album of Abbey Road, my favorite album. And um, always, to use a dead term, Become inspired. And yeah, become inspiration. Move me brightly. Well, so this is pretty funny because we, you know, on these podcasts, they're totally ad hoc. You know, we're sitting here, we're bullshitting. And I was waiting to get into the Beatles as like the fourth bullet point, but you have managed to bring it up in the first 10 minutes of talking. <laughs> It didn't take long. We were going to go, we were going to talk through and then talk about the Beatles. Well, every day from we get up in the morning and I see the, uh, the Instagram pic meme to, uh, you know, throughout the day and usually closing up the night in our little room of sin down here. It's uh, a lot of Grateful Dead speak. However, on my end, not quite to the extreme on your end that uh that you go through but for me it's talking about all that stuff and we listen to each other's stories about it and uh the nuances and all the the cool stuff so um i forgot exactly where i was going with this but the Beatles. Take how you over. gotta just bring the Beatles in yeah just like i'll turn everything into the dead you'll manage to tip it on its side to the Beatles. yeah <laughs> and you'll make me listen to music and i'll i pretty much make you listen to music but uh I love you, the Beatles. YouTube that they do, yeah, of course. When we get Beatles. our tattoos soon, I'm getting uh the Beatles walking across Abbey Road. I forget what you're getting. Yeah, you're getting a little steal your face somewhere. Well, our daughter's name is Julia. I mean, I think when I was pregnant with our second, and we were trying to come up with a girl name, and we couldn't come up with a girl name, and uh what about Althea? Yeah, I mean, it could have been Althea. It could what have about been Bertha. We, you considered Cassidy for like a hot minute. We talked about Cassidy, and you were going to concede because I was a completely hormonal bitch, and you were like, "Fine, fuck it, name her whatever you want." <laughs> and uh our son's name is Joe, and I just had a real issue with the two J's again, just kind of a hormonal moment, but I. I just couldn't stand it. It was a time when the Dugers were really popular and people would, the, all of their names were with a J. Who were the Dugers? The Dugers. It was like a reality show. Uh, the Dugers and they had like 12 people in their family and all of their names started with J. And I was, just felt really <laughs> annoyed and self-conscious that both of my kids' names would start with J because, cause Julia came up and I was like, I don't want it to both be J's cause then as soon as the baby comes and people ask what her name is, I'll say Julia. And sure enough, when they were babies, the, the response was always like, ah, you went with the J's. So I was pretty hesitant to it, but Julia was the perfect name. I mean, it was the, uh, cause I love the Beatles too. Well, whenever we hear the song, it's we always song. think about it. Yeah. And yeah. since all the medication I'm on, I've become more emotional and it brings a tear to my eyes sometimes, as corny as that sounds. Well, and in the sequence of Beatles songs, the song we played at our wedding was I Will, because that was the first song, because music is something that really brought us together. And I just, the song I Will is, uh, is in sequence to Julia on the White Album. So I don't know. It's all kind of poetic and, yeah, and, right. and makes a, it's a little bit cosmic. So those two things go one, one and one A. And, and honestly, I, I think I've shared this recently. So I, I apologize for a repeated theory, but we finally were able to nail down the Grateful Dead Beatles, which is the best band conversation. Cause I, I love the Beatles too, but I think I was able to articulate it and you agreed. I think our final decision on it was 
for innovation for the amount of years together as a band, for what they created, what they inspired, what they brought the to the different table. Styles the different music, styles of influence music. Influence of drugs, LSD. All of that, I yeah. give it to the Beatles first. I don't think the dead would have been the dead without the Beatles. But I'll say for studio, hands down Beatles. But for live music. A lot of that music you could never recreate live. Yeah. You know, so. The rooftop uh, concert, maybe sort of, but you know, Lucy in the Sky, that stuff, never. Uh, the orchestra, the, the White Album. You couldn't play the White Album and get anywhere near. I mean, you know, it was there. interesting. I had this music teacher at Westfield State, and this guy was such an asshole. I mean, he was uh, arrogant, very smart. Um, used to, uh, you know, Mozart and Beethoven, and now we had to listen to all that shit. And, you know, it was, for its time, you know, it's brilliant music, but I wasn't into that shit, and I guess I'm still not. And he couldn't stand the stuff that we were listening to. Keep in mind, this is 81 to 80, well, it took me six years to get out of college, so it was 81 through about 87. I remember one thing the guy said was, the only group that's worth a shit that you guys listen to are the Beatles. And I was like, huh? And he said, they use every single instrument ever invented on this planet. You know, cello, harpsichord, horn, you know, it, well, you, you know what I'm saying. Everything. And to your point, that stuff could never be recreated live. Yeah. No, I, I give it to the Beatles. Studio Beatles, live dead. For 30 years of touring, for summer tour, fall tour, winter tour. I mean, as anyone who listens to podcasts, the never knows, ending, the never tour. ending <laughs> tour. You know, the Jerry on the side, the Rat Dog on the side. I mean, for musicians that just were out there playing live, a live band, greatest band on earth. But I will say, the Beatles, studio albums, innovation, influential, best band on earth. So they're like, you know, they're equal. Uh, yeah, for me, and I know this is a Grateful Dead podcast, but uh, there's them, and then there's just. Everyone else so far down. I mean, that's uh, that's how I... Okay, so after hijacking this podcast to the Beatles, we will get back into the, the Beatles later because it, it ties into a later topic. But I do want to end this little part of the conversation up with the studio versus live. You picked a song because I made you pick a Grateful Dead song other than the Rosemary, which was kind of a joke. So we kind of went through the list and actually had a pretty good list. You had uh, I have a, I put together a playlist. I don't even know if you were aware of this, but uh, there are like a lot. Of, well, I guess the thing I would say about the Dead is there's I have a lot of playlists on my um, on Spotify. There are, in fact, I'm going to look at it right now. I mean, traffic. Uh, Jimi Hendrix, Zeppelin, Chicago, of all bands, but you know their early stuff was pretty rock and stuff. Um, Sabbath, yeah, con- country music, not new country, but you know uh, Charlie Rich stuff like that. Neil Young, of course, Crosby, Stills, Nash. There's a disco one here. <laughs> the Bee Gees, Donna Summer, etc. The Supreme Stones. Anyway, you get the point. I do like uh, a number of dead songs. There's probably a good 15, 20 songs that I like, and uh, most of them are studio, but, you know, Bertha's a, a, a long jam that I like. Yeah. 
Bertha. You had Mexicali Blues on there. Yeah, they're they're like some of my blues. least favorite. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people love a Bertha. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I like Bertha, but it's definitely not in my top ten. What's on the list? Mexicali Blues. Again, which I enjoy. But well, I got it right here. It's 15 okay. songs. Right, let's roll them off, and then we'll, then yeah, we'll play you, the one that you picked. All right. U.S. Blues, Help on the Way, Slipknot, Bertha, Franklin's Tower, Alabama Getaway, Eyes of the World, Fire in the Mountain, Tennessee Jed, Althea. There's Bertha again. I guess there's two versions. West L.A. Fadeaway, Help on the Way, another version of Bertha. <laughs> Maybe we should play Bertha. <laughs> Estimated Profit. And, of course... Arguably, there's a lot of good choices. There really are. We have to narrow it down. But I would say my favorite studio, of course, Shakedown Street. So we're gonna go do a little Shakedown Street, and uh, which I always love. And I, I will, I will agree. The the studio version of Shakedown Street really has something appealing to offer. And my my favorite Shakedown. I was just telling my sister. I think is. Fat Man That Rocks podcast, my friend over there on Twitter, came uh, to me with the Civic Center 1989 April 2nd, which was also my 16th birthday. So I had had that on the list as the most possibly perfect shakedown street. So a couple nights ago, I nailed you down and made you listen to it. And I said, what did you think? And you said, studio version. <laughs> so then we play studio, and I and I dig that too. So let's go in and hear a studio version of Shakedown Street, and then we're going to come back and talk a bit more with a few more topics. Enjoy. Too much to face. Maybe too much to face. Maybe 
So back from listening to Shakedown Street, and the next topic is a big one. I mean, this is a topic <laughs> that we can talk about all the fucking time. <laughs> so gotta, this is probably going to, like, hijack the rest of the podcast. But that's cool. They might offend some Bob lovers. No. I mean, I think anyone who loves the music loves the music and, and loves, you know, all about it. And, uh, yeah. And honestly, this is a, this is fun editorial. Everybody gets an opinion. It's not a... You know, we're not partisan over here. We like everything. We love Bob because Bob's Bob and Bob's an institution and Bob's touring. No and he's like he's like a Paul McCartney type, you know. Bob is out there, you know. I just saw the Wolf Brothers the other day and it was fucking amazing. Oh, Bob's a fucking institution. I love Bob and Bob has really just be, become this leader of the band that's, you know, carried this through. But that being said, all eyes go back to... I'm, I'm, I'm going to hijack here. So... I made a playlist. That playlist that I just talked about, I don't know um, how closely or anybody was keeping track of those songs, but I don't know. I had made a playlist a few years ago. Stacy made a, a pretty funny observation. She said, uh, you know, out of those 15 or 20 songs, do you know that every single song was a Jerry song except for one, Estimated Profit? I said, no, I, I didn't know that. That's a really good point. Yeah, and, and again, I do not think you're alone with that. I do not think you're alone with that. And and honestly, in the last couple of months, Jerry Garcia Band, I mean, amazing. You know, it's just a totally different catalog. But, um, I mean, Jerry has um, has definitely, you know, soothed my soul more times than, than anybody. So, again, it's it's not controversial. But I guess what you'll go into next might be a little bit more, which is your feeling that, well, as far as the Jerry thing goes, it would, to me, I hope I don't offend anybody, but to me it would almost be like uh the Beatles playing without John or something like that. I mean, there's this, and I know a lot of your listeners will probably appreciate this, but, you know, there's a certain artist that you can really tell that they are an artist. When you hear uh that first note on a lead when he breaks into a jam or when he opens his mouth and starts singing, you know who it is immediately, the true sign of an artist. And when I hear a dead song, you know, a Jerry song sung by Bob, I'm just immediately just like, oh, God, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's great. The music's great. People are digging the music. I understand the family and all those intangibles that everybody has that goes to the concerts. But as a music lover, not a deadhead, when I hear a song without Jerry, I just, uh, there's just something missing. Cool songs, they sound good, but there's just something missing. And I think uh, some of your listeners will appreciate this, just that, that, that distinct voice, the guitar. I mean, that to me is something I, I really miss on a jam. When I hear it, when Jerry's not playing guitar, um, you know, that's... I can't disagree. No, I can't disagree. And again, I've kind of busted open the the JGB band catalog a lot in the last six months, like more than ever. And I probably played about equally as much. I think you heard me start playing it one time, um, playing a song. You had said to yourself, you know what? I had forgotten how great his solo stuff was. It's so unique, and, and one of the things I like about his solo stuff, and the Dead does this too, personally I think he does it more, is just the uh, 
the variety of music that he plays, bluegrass, yeah, soul, funk, you know, and everything, yeah, gospel and everything in between. And, uh, it's that unique style and, uh, styles of music, I think, that also separates him. Now, I know a lot of people probably think the dead do the same thing, but, um, I personally think he covers more genres. Yeah. Again, I think I, I wouldn't disagree with that. And I mean, I've just fallen more and more and more in love with his catalog. So I'm just, there's just something that's very healing about it. And a lot of the musicians he played along with too. Yeah. Just a plethora of, um, different guys and girls that played all different styles of music as well. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm gonna go see Melvin this weekend, the, the keeper of the flame. I mean, uh, and I am looking forward to hearing that music. I love it. I mean, I'm, you know, and I hear Waiting for a Miracle or My Sisters, My Brothers, and I mean, those songs just, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, it's like going to church, you know, they really are. So as much as, as a deadhead, I think, being a jerk, there's a, there's a meme. I was just talking, I went to a flotation place. I did a float therapy yesterday. It was so fucking cool. For anybody who lives in the western Massachusetts area, it's in East Hampton, and it's called Go With The Float, and I just had the best experience. So, little plug from my friend Steven at Go With The Float. It's so fun, really cool. But he and I were talking because he's just kind of gotten into Jerry Garcia band. And I told him about the meme that's out there. I think you've seen it with like the flow, the diner one. Like yeah. we don't just play Grateful Dead. We have more options. We also play JGB. So yeah, I think it, I think it goes kind of part and parcel with deadheads to, to love it all. Yeah. One other thing I'll say to digress a little bit is, um, however, all that said about Jerry, I remember, well, I kind of remember when we went to see uh, Dead & Company up in Saratoga Springs. And John Mayer was playing. And I'm thinking, John Mayer? That guy's a pop artist. I think I've seen uh, a couple of videos. I've heard some stuff. I've seen him in People magazine. I've seen all these good-looking women he dated. And I was thinking, why on earth is this guy playing? And he said, oh, wait till you hear him. And I was really blown away by him. And, uh, you know, and then I, uh, you know, I appreciate, well, I always appreciated the music, but now I kind of understood, not even necessarily from the family standpoint, everybody getting together and that, uh, that intangible feeling that all the deadheads get. But again, the music itself, I mean, it was great and he was rocking. Who, who's on keyboards now? Jeff. Okay, and we always make a kind of a joke. I brought this up a a couple times. Kind of reminds me of Spinal Tap or something on keyboards. They've had some great players. I never understood, though, Bruce Hornsby. Yeah, no, I mean, it wasn't my favorite. I think he was he was friends with the guys in the band. I yeah, think he was obviously a super talented guy. Well, but, he, I mean, did he have the mullet and all that from the 80s, 90s? It was going a little bit. It was the early <laughs> 90s. I mean, I think what happened, I, know, I can't say specifically, but my general feeling is that, you know, when Brent died, it was... Um, it was really tragic and, you know, they had tours to play and things going on and they were friends with Bruce. He had kind of sat in before and, sure. um, I think it was just a really talented keyboardist that they could, you know, loop in to keep the show going immediately. And then Vince Welnick, 
the final final. Was, oh, really? Yeah, no, Bruce was kind of like a pitch hitter. Bruce kind of came in after Brad died. <laughs> he was a pitch hitter for a little while. And I think the whole showboaty keyboard style that you're not a fan of, I think yeah. it overpowered the music. Like, well, I think some, it was, some of that stuff. I mean, not necessarily with the dead, but when I hear, for example, uh, when Billy Preston played with the Beatles, I mean, you knew there was a... It wasn't Paul playing piano. Yeah. You know, it added a whole nother... Um, level to to the music, and um, I don't know if that's the case with. I mean, the, again, the I certainly couldn't say for sure, but in my understanding of uh, my understanding of the folklore was that it was too much. You know, like it just it did a little yeah. bit of a hijack. You know, it kind of was like cool to have them in, but <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's there's again folklore. This is all just editorial. This isn't a. I'm not a. I'm not an actual archivist, but. Um, when, uh, when the horns would play, Bradford Marcellus played, he was amazing, mm-hmm. but there was a show that, uh, that was, it was like a New Year's Eve 1980 and Etta James played and, you know, they'd have all kinds of people playing yeah. and I heard Jerry got annoyed when there were like these really strong instruments that came in because yeah. it, it kind of upset the, the balance of what they were used to doing. Well, I'm gonna, some people aren't gonna understand this one at all, but when Ozzy Osbourne was playing, he had this great guitarist, Randy Rhodes, who was playing, who was tragically killed in a plane crash and they had, uh, so they had a guy, Zach Wild, fill in for him on tour. And during the tour, all you heard was Zach with his over-the-top fills on guitar and these long, wild solo, super talented guy, but uh really took away from, you know, the soul of a lot of that music and a lot of the cool stuff that they were playing, you know, if you were into metal at that time. So, um, yeah, I think that would be a, a similar analogy. Well, I'll say, uh, my, my ultimate takeaway analogy would be like, it's like a recipe, right? It's like a recipe and you, you like if you were making cookies and you, you know, nine chocolate chips in it and if all of a sudden you had like 15 chocolate chips yeah. in the cookies, some people might like it, but. Balance. It's about the balance. And I think really talented musicians that come in and play with a band that's so gelled and, you know, seasoned and have their, their grooves, it's, it, yeah, it's like. It's like a, some of the great sports teams, you know. They play as a team, not as individuals. Right. So somebody comes in and you get this MVP, but it upsets the balance of what it always was. Oh, my God. We signed this new free agent. We're going to be a great team this year. And the team sucks because, well, this guy took over the entire deal. Well, that is exactly my philosophy on why Bruce came in hot and heavy like a hurricane and came right back out. They brought Vince in and, and again, Vince, poor Vince. I mean, there was, after Brant died and Jerry's health and all of that, I mean, I think it was, um, that was going to be a tough run, you know, to really be able to pull that back out because I think the best years were behind them at this point. I don't think anybody's ever requested a song post-92 on this podcast. So, yeah. What about In the Dark? Was that post-92? In the Dark was like, no, studio album 86. Oh, that's so right. That was, that's that right. I was in high bad. school. That that's was, right. I was invited to the concert at Springfield Civic Center. I was so engrossed in uh, heavy metal music at the time. I was like, you're going to see those guys in Springfield? Small venue, five, 6,000 people. And in hindsight, now, I was like, why the fuck did I not go see those guys? Well, that was crazy. Didn't you go see those? Yeah, I saw yeah. Jerry. In fact, speaking of Jerry, I remember uh, my brother and I were driving to California. I chased a girl 
out to San Francisco, who I met and followed her out. My brother and I drove out to, uh, in, in our car, obviously, 3,000 miles from Massachusetts to San Francisco. I will never forget it, as I'm sure most of your listeners will never forget it. It was like when John F. Kennedy was shot, I'm sure if you were alive then. When Jerry died, we had the radio on, and we were going through the Great Salt Lake. And if anybody's driven through the Great Salt Lake, it's salt as far as you can see. And I can still think of it today. What's the road? Is it 80? We were driving out, and it came through on the radio. It was kind of like when John Lennon was shot. Howard Cosell was on Monday Night Football, and he broke the news. During a football game, New England Patriots, Miami Dolphins, John Smith was going up to kick a field goal. I can tell you exactly what happened. They said John Lennon was shot outside his hotel. Well, that's something I'm sure your listeners feel the same way. And I remember not even being a deadhead driving through the Great Salt Lake and they interrupted whatever song was on or whatever news station was on and announced that Jerry had died. And in hindsight... I've always thought to myself, damn, why didn't I go see those guys? What the fuck was I thinking back then? But anyway, not to digress too no, much. No, no, there's no digressing. I just got the chills. Well, it makes me sad. Yeah, it would do it. But, you know, where there's death, there's you know, there's still a regrowth, the family and the music. and uh, Yeah, it's pretty impressive. i got to say, when a lot of bands, uh, when somebody dies in the band... That's it for a lot of these guys. But I gotta say, but like I say, I've used this word a lot, intangible. There's just an intangible thing about the dead, the deadheads, their community that, um, it's really not surprising that the music continues to live. Absolutely. Well, let's go and play your Jerry Garcia band pick, your first of a couple Jerry Garcia band picks. So tell everyone about the pick and why you picked it. Well, a lot of reasons why. One of the things I loved about Jerry was all the different guys that he played with solo, all the different musicians, and like I was saying, all the different styles of music, soul, funk, bluegrass, you know, gospel, anything went, you know. It, it must have been, I don't know if therapeutic's the right word, but uh, as an artist to escape, be able to do his own thing, you know, without... Um, you know, a producer or somebody telling, no, this is the way we want it done. And him saying, fuck you, I'm in charge now, and this is what we're going to do. And that's one of the things I really liked about uh, his solo stuff. In fact, I might be repeating myself, but I like Jerry's solo stuff better than The Dead, you know, as an artist. You're, you're repeating yourself as you do many times on this topic. <laughs> You're really repeating yourself in the podcast, and uh, yes, 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 yes. I think we've talked about it three times. So um, <laughs> so after midnight, I saw After Midnight on uh, this album. I was looking up Jerry Solo stuff. Um, this was even before Spotify. I had um, already known this song. I had seen it. I was like, After Midnight. Well, it's going to be fucking boring, you know. You know, it's a great song, but... You know, who hasn't covered this song? And, uh, you know, it was a top 40 hit. Who was the original? Bob. Bob Dylan? Wasn't Bob? I think, I think After Midnight was, a. Uh... all right, we're Googling it. I think, uh, no, it's like a more of an, an R&B. I mean, I think of, uh, like Eric Clapton covering it as a, as a pretty big cover. 
I don't think it's Bob Dylan. All right, hold on, listeners. I am not going to edit this out. We are now going to Google. Somebody's sitting here thinking about it, and they already know the answer. Who wrote? J.J. Kale. J.J. Kale, of course. Awesome version. The original original. version. J.J. Kale, I forgot about him. And then Eric Clapton was, so J.J. Kale. And of course, Eric Eric Clapton. And there were, and there were, I forgot about J.J. Kale. Yeah, I used to listen to him a lot. Talk about a great artist. He had a couple other great tunes that were covered. And, uh, you know, unless you were, uh, really into that kind of music or really into those types of artists, a lot of people don't even know who he is. I'm sure a lot of your listeners do, but, um, anyway, so, I had heard, uh, I saw it on there, and I was like, ah, oh, great, another cover. That Jerry's version with Merle and uh, the keyboards. And and like you said, you know, sometimes it can be overwhelming when you get somebody like that. But in my opinion, it's like when Billy Preston uh, played with the Beatles, it adds a whole nother, I don't know if levels, but a whole nother, um, you know. Uh, yeah, a whole other dimension, a whole another dynamic to the music. And I heard it and I was like, holy shit, this is the best version of this song by far. I love it. And, um, I like the one I'm with the disco. Well, we're going to play that one for you. I kind of like the one with like the, the disco. It's the one that has like the real, like the, the beams in it. Like I think. I think that one might be my favorite. There's like a a 70s kind of like a a weird sort of groovy late. I don't know. Anyways, let's go in and play the, actually you were so generous that you told me to download the entire album that you loved it so much, not just this Well, I don't know who the fuck's paying for that that's going on your bill. (laughs) So we're going to go in and play the uh, Jerry Garcia, Merle Saunders after midnight and then come back with uh, probably some more uh, Beatles and Jerry topics. But uh, that's cool. So everybody go and listen to this, and then we will be back in uh, just a minute. A foa.
So back from listening to After Midnight, and uh, we did pull up the Google on uh, on this song and JJ Kale, and it's a pretty impressive list of musicians that covered yeah. this. I had the I had his vinyl, I had the album. Um, yeah, pretty cool stuff. After Midnight, Cocaine by Eric Clapton, Call Me the Breeze, covered by Skinner. Call Me the Breeze was covered by John Mayer. I didn't know that. Johnny Cash. Waylon Jennings, uh, I got the same old blues, same old blues again. That he wrote that covered by man, Captain Beefheart, Leonard Skinner, Freddie King, Brian Ferry. You know, on and on his music was covered yeah. by Jose Feliciano, again John, Joan Shelley, even Kansas covered one of his songs. So uh great artist. We'll have to listen to him more often. Well, and I love uncovering, like, who wrote a lot of songs that people don't even, you know, fully realize. I mean... So many times we listen, we like the covers better. But I think on some of these songs, you might like the original better with some of J.J.'s songs. The, my favorite songwriter, who's who I pretty much prefer the cover, like, pretty much every time. We have talked about this. We have turned this over. We have turned this <laughs> around. This we have pulled up, the, you know, different versions of everything. And... You know, I, I I think I may have gone on record saying this before on the podcast, but I will say it again. Bob Dylan. Uh, one song I disagree with. Oh, Hurricane. Maybe not. Hurricane and Tangled Up in Blue, although Jerry's version of Tangled Up in Blue I is think pretty I like fucking Jerry's, good. Yeah. Well, of course you do. <laughs> I think that I think Hurricane Hurricane is the only song that I think Bob Dylan sang it best. But every other fucking song, I mean, he wrote the best music. But from Simple Twist of Fate to All Along in the Watchtower to Knocking on Heaven's Door to I mean, you name it. I mean, he wrote it, and then somebody else sang it better. He's playing with Neil this year on tour. In Wembley. London, Wembley Stadium, Neil Young and Bob. What? Two of like the absolute greatest with like the biggest control for no, whatever. Ever. Don't bring a camera to Bob's shows. Don't bring whatever it. you do for you listeners. I wonder how he'd be able to manage somebody having a camera at Wembley. Uh, Sixty thousand people. <laughs> there'll be like there'll be like some guy like midway back in the stands at the security. Excuse me, Bob is uh, not good 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 to do with the English. I'm accent. only playing during the day. I don't want to see any fucking flash bulbs. Oh my god! No, like if you open up your the, the light illuminates it all because we have a friend who saw him uh, at the Beacon last uh, last December. I want to say, and he literally got kicked out of the venue. Who is it, Dan? Dan got kicked out of the Bob Dylan. He got kicked out of the venue for, and put him in like like a penalty box for like two or three songs before they let him come back in. As he had pulled out his phone to like take a picture, and, and he didn't even know the the songs. He well, like, he's probably used to doing that at Timberlake concerts or something. Dan doesn't know, you know. Dan doesn't know, but uh, but yeah, Bob Dylan, hard fast rule. And then I mean, Neil Young is so it's kind of nuts Neil about could that be the same too. Way. He is. Remember yeah. that we were listening to the old recording of um, it's a fucking funny one. It's from uh, Live at the Massey, and I forget which song. Massey Hall. Massey yeah. Hall. And yeah, he, and, and he, this wasn't a, a telephone. This was one of those big fucking flash bulbs. Yeah, and he schools the person, and yeah. it's like, could you please uh, put your camera away <laughs> and take it out when the song is over and everybody's clapping like you're supposed to? Like, he completely shames the guy into putting his camera away yeah. on the uh, on the recording. There'll be a real daily double, the two of them, trying to manage all of the... Uh, all of the cell phones in yeah, I wonder Stadium. if they even like each other. Well. <laughs> Two alpha cats. But again, all this is said in just in fun, because I, you know, my God, I mean, two of the Two of the biggest legends out there as far as a musical living, contribution. Living, living legends out there. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there. Uh, how many more respect. are there? You know, I mean, Paul, and, Bob. Uh, Bob. I guess you could say Ringo. I mean, when I whenever I listen to the Beatles, I always forget. I'm like, you know, Ringo had some good tunes, and his pop music during the '70s was uh, it was great pop music back yeah. then. I mean, they all had their their thing. Definitely, it's all about the energy, which is why the Dead shows are so fucking oh, awesome. That's why, I mean, uh, that's why I was bringing it. it back around, yeah. man. How the uh, how the artists feed off of uh, off of the energy of the crowd. Yeah, and I think like it really given a lot of thought. I saw a lot of Dead and Company in the last couple of years. I mean, you know, again, that could be a whole nother conversation about your wife is spending thousands of dollars and traveling all around the country, which you've been so patient with, and I'm not anticipating seeing that much. In this coming year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I'm, really, yeah. I'm really not. We'll see how it unfolds. Yeah, but I right. have no summer tickets purchased. No, last year I had it all well, fucking mapped out. fucking February. No, no, last year I had them all mapped out. I bought them. I had the plans. Like, no, it's coming around. And I'll see some shows. You plan your work like that. I, I did. I mean, again, it's a new, you know, it's a new year, new, new vibes. But I think what I like the most about going to the Dead and Company is the big family gathering. I mean, it's just that massive energy because there's a lot of arguments that can be made for, you know, J-Rad versus Dead and Company versus, you know, local things and small venues. And everyone has all kinds of opinions and, and none of them are wrong. But I think the thing about the Dead and Company that, that sucks me in that I love is just being with, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people because you just draw from that energy. Right, I think I alluded to it earlier. That's that intangible thing. I mean, I don't know a lot about them. I do like some of their music, but I guess Fish would probably be a, a band like that. Otherwise, I really can't think off the top of my head anyway about any other bands that have that uh, that following, that family, that crowd, that energy, you know, that love. Um all the characters that everybody knows. I mean, I could go on and on about these people who... uh On the internet characters. You know, these people that you tell me about. I've never met them, but I could tell you everything about a lot of these people. And I don't think there's any other band that uh that has that. It's amazing. After all these years. No, absolutely. But, I, but I, I, again, I, I know you think I'm full of shit, but I, I really have been enjoying... The local, the local vibes. I mean, I, I have. I like being. It's a lot of great local stuff. It's a lot of great local stuff, and I like being, you know, looking around and being like, "All right, this is a, this is like small. It's intimate. It's local, and it's a lot less expensive." So yeah. I think this year is going to be uh, more about like great bands that are playing the music. Where I mean, God, we went to a place. Uh, me and my friend Deirdre when we went to the Lusitano Club. I mean, that <laughs> that had to have been the worst. I think worst I went venue. to a couple of bachelor parties there. Oh my in God, the it's 80s like eighties and nineties club. That's like mostly for retirement parties banquets. and banquets <laughs> and. Uh, and I mean, again, no disrespect to Ludlow, Massachusetts, a loose tonic club, but, uh, local band, another little plug out there, Lobsters from Mars. I mean, they are really awesome. And I mean, to be able to get out and dance your ass off in the worst venue ever has, I guess, a testament, man, to, it was good. I mean, it was good. And man, if you can rock it out in that bad of a venue, <laughs> like, you're a pretty talented musician, cause I mean, I, I had no complaints by the time this show was over, so. It was all good. Well, we're going to play one last song, and we will wrap it up. So, you know, of course, we've talked a lot about the Beatles, a lot about the Dead, and so the natural, you know. And Jerry. And solo. Jerry, solo. So the, the the natural closing song has got to be where you pull it all together. Okay. Right on. Yeah. It's uh, Dear Prudence by Jerry Garcia Band.
It's awesome. Yeah, it's a great version. His, uh, I mean, it's a great song. Um, but his version, you know, it's like a lot of Jerry, probably all of Jerry's covers. It's got his own, uh, touch on it. And this one definitely does. And I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, Oh, he covered this and I heard it and I was like, Holy shit, this is fucking awesome. I love this. It's great. Not quite. There's a lot of covers that I say to myself, oh, this is better than the original. I don't know if this is better than the original, but it's Jerry's take on it, what makes it fucking great. And that sound I talk about, and that voice, and that guitar, and, uh, you know, just his, his soul that goes into it. It's awesome. No, I love it. I love it. I love it. It's on my, my playlist. I listen to it over and over and over and over. Love it, love it, love it. This song always makes me think of my sister, too, because we always joke about, uh, well, again, Beatles run deep and, and all of the names in our families. I mean, all of my ringtones are Beatles songs, and Michelle was named after Michelle my bell. <laughs> and we remember us laughing. It's a good thing that Mom and Dad's favorite song wasn't uh, Dear Prudence, because yeah. Michelle was definitely a, a, a name, you know, back in, uh, back in the 70s or 80s. I think a lot of people were inspired by Michelle my bell. So uh, definitely a... Uh, a better name than uh than Prudence for for that era. What about Bertha? Bertha would have been, you know, it would have been a tough. That would have been a big, a big name to get, big name to carry along with you. Um, gosh, we have Lucy the dog, Lucy in the sky with diamonds, Marie Smith. We got Michelle. We got Julia. So uh, yeah, a lot of ring. What are some of the ringtones we got? Um, you've got uh, when I'm 64. It's a fucking awesome ringtone. Mm-hmm. Got your mother should know. It's my mom's. Well, whatever you do, don't put one of your favorite songs uh, as an alarm clock in the morning as you wake up because you'll never listen to the fucking song again. Yeah, we've, we've, <laughs> we've fucked up with that one, too. The kid, they, Our kids are horrified by Good Morning, Good Morning. We tried that one, and yeah. they won't listen to it, and Harry Nilsson gotta get up like those two songs we we can't we can't listen to them anymore oh yeah they're, they're like that put that song on yeah <laughs> i mean of either being hung over or getting the kids up for school no <laughs> i've wanted to put i'm only sleeping but i can't ruin another song on a ringtone on a on an alarm song so all right well let's go in and play that last song and then we'll come back and do a little sign off and goodbye Yeah. 
Jackson. Thank you. So we are back from Dear Prudence, and uh, this is the point where I thank my guests for coming on, so thank you for, for this. I really thought you were fucking with me for the last year or two that you wanted to be a guest. I wanted to. I knew what I was going to say. I jotted down a few notes here, but there was a lot of things that I wanted to say. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I think it was my idea. I said I want to be on. You've been you saying know? it for like I wanted, two years. I want to give my side of the story, you know. Because, uh, you know, I, I give you a lot of shit about this stuff, but there's a lot of stuff I dig about it. And I like it just as a music lover, you know. I'm never going to be in the front row trying to get on the rail. I could give a fuck about that. But I would be digging uh, the music like I dig all kinds of music. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff that I like. And, and furthermore, I'm so proud of you when you told me that you were going to do this podcast i was like uh well that's cool you know that's, that's great to do the podcast uh you know you, you might as well why not and then when i saw the response that you've got in, in your instagram uh following ten thousand today. today holy shit and uh and i tell some of my friends about it jeff my buddy who i was out with last night and he was just he couldn't believe it no, I know. I mean, you're you're intelligent. It's something you're passionate about. So in hindsight, it's not all that surprising. But I'm really proud of you, and I love you. And um... oh, oh, I love you too. And very appreciative of letting me uh, wave my freak flag out here in uh, Massachusetts. I have seen a lot of music. We have two kids. I have had a full time job, the podcast, and you have been really supportive about uh letting that all go down because that's a that's a lot yeah. it's been a lot of lot of travel a lot of time a lot of uh sharing my family with that family have i inspired you you've inspired me my inspiration is um has been moved me brightly so on that note thank you for tuning in everybody and thank you for being my 74th guest and my uh my comeback because we haven't done a podcast in quite some time so. yeah well long overdue long so overdue. Uh, thank you for having me Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news 
and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.